0: Shalom, Uh, my name is Yitzhak Ben-Scott, or Isaac. Uh, I'm actually an ancestor of Marshall. I was born 2,500 years ago, and I'm actually a bit surprised to find myself here uh, in 2021 in Australia, but I was caught in in an anomaly in the space-time continuum and ended up being catapulted here. And now I'm kind of stuck here. Uh, Unfortunately, the health authorities have deemed that ancient Israel is an LGA of concern, so I can't move from here. So I thought I'd take the opportunity, since I was in town, to come and share with you uh, at SWEC. I heard that uh, this week is Global Mission Sunday, so I'm here to share with you about God's plan to save the many, the nations through the few. Uh, Let's pray as we come to God's word. Father, you are king of the heavens and the earth. The whole earth is yours, and your plan from the beginning was for all people from all nations to come under your rule. Give us a greater understanding of your heart to bring people from every tribe and every tongue into your kingdom. Amen. Now, as a good Jew, uh, I always knew that God was king over the whole earth. But to be honest, my people forgot that. We became so focused on ourselves that we thought that God was really only concerned about Israel. But we should have known better. We should have realized that God always had one mission for all nations to bring all people under his rule. When God sent the flood, Uh, In Noah's time, he saved one family, Noah, uh, and his family. But but his plan was to use Noah to make a fresh start for the whole world. He made a covenant with Noah, but it was also for the whole world. Um, Have a look with me at Genesis 9, verse 8. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, Now I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and with all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I established my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. God then went on to make it very clear that the covenant wasn't just with Noah and the animals in the ark. So in verse 12, he says, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. God bound himself with a covenant, a promise, with every human being and animal on earth that would have followed from Noah. He has always cared for all people from every nation because he is king of everything. That he created. Psalm 103 brings that out. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. He lovingly made the seas, the plants, the animals, and the then the climax of creation was humankind, made in his image. His intention from the beginning was for his rule to go out from the garden with Adam and Eve, and for every person in the four corners of the globe, to come under that rule, to love him, to glorify him, to serve him and to enjoy his blessings. Now, I may say it's strange, but that concern for all people is shown in the way that God chooses one man, Abraham. Have a look with me at the opening verses of Genesis 12. God's call to Abraham may look like he'd lost interest in the whole world or that the world was a lost cause after the flood and then the Tower of Babel. So God kind of started again with, with Abraham. But the last part of that promise that we just read shows God's end game. The big picture is to use Abraham to bring blessing to the whole world. God's strategy was to start off small, one man, to grow his kingdom from Abraham. And as the story of the Bible unfolds, we'll see that God's consistent strategy to use one man, then one nation, and then later on one servant to bring blessing to the many. Well, you probably know how the story goes after Abraham. God uh, fulfils those promises that he makes. In the nation of Israel, Abraham becomes the father of Israel. Israel is blessed by God, chosen to be His special people. God delivered my people out of Egypt and into the promised land. He made a covenant with us at Mount Sinai and promised to be our God. But we had a responsibility too. We, we needed to be faithful to God. We needed to. Uh, we had a particular mission and responsibility. We were chosen to be a nation of priests, says that in Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Now, if you obey me fully, God says, and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Now, let me tell you that we thought that was pretty good. We were special, God's treasured possession. But you know what? We let that go to our heads. We became arrogant and thought that uh, we deserve God's life somehow more than the other nations. And we forgot the rest of the command. We forgot to be a kingdom of priests. Now, a priest acts as a mediator uh, between God and other people. And the kingdom of priests were to be mediators between God and the nations. God says in verse 5 that he is king over the whole earth. We forgot that he cares for all the nations, not just Israel. He wanted to show the nations who he is through us. But we didn't do that. We failed in that. Now, as I stand here in front of, You, the members of SWEC, you are also God's chosen people. You have a great privilege. And I don't want you to make the same mistake that I've made. Don't think that God loves you more than your neighbours, more than your workmates who may follow a different religion or speak a different language. God chose his church, SWEC. He raised raised Sweck up to be a blessing to the world and so that he might be glorified and worshipped by your boss and the family next door and the people who go to the mosque down the road. If they come to know Jesus, he will be glorified by that and they will be blessed. We have the privilege and responsibility to take the gospel to those who haven't heard it. As I said, that's a privilege and a responsibility that we forgot as Israel. We made the mistake of thinking that because God chose us, he didn't care about the other nations. But if only we'd had eyes to see, we would have realised that, of course, the king of heaven and earth is concerned for all people everywhere. It's there in the Psalms, Psalm 65. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Saviour, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. His desire is for his glory and knowledge of him to go to the furthest corners of creation and for creation and people to rejoice together. Verse 8, the whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. When morning dawns, where evening fades, You call forth songs of joy. And God reminded us in the Psalms as well that our calling was to make him known to the nations. Psalm 67 starts off with the blessing of Aaron that we love to repeat to each other. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. But the blessing doesn't end there because it goes on so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. You see, we were blessed not just for our benefit, but so all people on earth may know God, praise him, and be filled with joy. We were one small nation, but God's plan has always been to use the few, one man, Abraham, one nation, Israel, to bless the many. And I want to say to you that God's plan hasn't changed. He wants to use you at Sweat as part of his church to bring knowledge of God, praise of him and joy to people in King's grave. Bankstown, Sydney, and the world. He has blessed you and he wants you to use that blessing to extend his glory beyond our own backyard. We may be one relatively small church, but God loves to use the few to push outwards, to grow, to reach the many. Well, when Israel failed in, the, in that mission, God just didn't just give up. He didn't change plans, but instead he raised up a servant, a servant who would become the true Israel, the faithful Israel. The prophet Isaiah speaks of him, Isaiah 42. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. God goes on to tell his servant, I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes of the blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Now I said that God has raised up this servant, but we haven't seen it in ancient Israel. It's a prophecy of someone who's yet to come. Who who will that sermon be? Oh, sorry, Uh, I've got to take this. Hello? Um, Uncle Uncle Aaron, this is embarrassing. I'm I'm in the middle of a sermon. Um, Speak amongst
1: yourselves. Hmm. Seems like we've lost Marshall. Hmm. How unfortunate. Oh, well, uh, since he's gone, we might as well talk about something new. We heard about all that old stuff, uh, about this servant who would come. Who is that servant? Well, of course, you know, it's Jesus. And so I'm going to tell you about how the gospel, the good news of Jesus, has gone out to many, many, many people and continues to go out today. So firstly, let's have a look at this passage, Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Uh, the moment just before Jesus left us and ascended to heaven. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And so in this last moment of Jesus's life on earth, the last thing he tells his disciples to do is to go and make more disciples, uh, not only disciples of their friends and family and and their own people, but to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. One of those rare occasions we see the Trinity in full display in Scripture. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And so here we see the gospel going out from uh, Jesus Jesus himself to his many disciples who will carry it forward from there and continue his work on earth. You probably recall, uh, as we were learning um, about how God was going to use Israel to be uh, like to all nations. And one of the defining moments for Israel was when Moses uh, went up the mountain, uh, Mount Sinai, to meet with God and to come down and to teach the Israelites, God's people, to love and obey him and how to do that. And so appropriately here, when Jesus is also on a mountain ascending to heaven and his disciples are with him. The disciples now also go down from the mountain to teach people to love and obey God. Uh, But rather than just going to the Israelites, they are to go to all nations. We also see the gospel going out to many languages. In Acts 2, we have the story of Pentecost the day when God's Holy Spirit was first given to his disciples. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so, it's in the moment when they first receive the Holy Spirit. One of the signs of the Spirit uh, coming on, uh, first coming on uh, God's disciples, Jesus's disciples, is that they can speak in other languages, and other people can understand them. So not not uh, gobbledygook, but actually speaking. Uh, and everyone from different places and with different languages could understand them. They spoke once and everyone could understand them in their own language. Now, why is that such a significant sign? Well, again, if we look at the old and compare, you may remember the story of the Tower of Babel. That was a time when people were united against God. They all spoke one language, And they had united themselves to build this tower to reach to the heavens as a sign of opposition against God. And so to ruin their efforts in rejecting him, God uh, punished them and spread them out across the world as he had always wanted them to be. And also confused their languages so that they couldn't understand each other and unite against him. And so when we see the day of Pentecost, where God actually reverses that punishment. He allows them to everyone to understand each other and unites people again. But rather than now being united against Him like they were at Babel, God is uniting people again in worship and to follow Jesus. He's undoing all of the bad that happened in the Old Testament. We also see the gospel going out to many nations, and this is especially significant for Peter in Acts 10, as we read in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And so here we have Peter who's gone to the house of a Gentile and shared the gospel. And while he's speaking, the Holy Spirit is given to those who are hearing his message, not to Jews, but these people were Gentiles. And as we read in the passage, um, some of the, the followers of Jesus were astonished that God would give the Holy Spirit to Gentiles. Uh, obviously, they've received the Holy Spirit themselves, but for the Holy Spirit to go on those people that didn't follow Jewish laws, didn't uh, follow Jewish ways, was astonishing to them. But that's always has got, got, been God's intention. As we learned from the Old Testament, God has always intended for everyone to be uh, welcomed into his kingdom if they'll love and obey him. You see, Israel got confused because at one stage in their history, they were a means of punishment to other nations. Other nations were wicked and sinful, and God rightly punished them, and he used his nation of Israel to do that. Uh, He used them to conquer them and to punish them in that way. But Israelites misunderstood and thought that was because They were more special or more worthy or more righteous than the other nations. Uh, But actually, as we read through the Old Testament, we realize that um, although they weren't to mix with other nations and get influenced to follow other gods, often uh, Israel didn't have to worry about other nations because they were the problem themselves. They were the ones themselves who ended up turning to other gods, even when they weren't. influenced by other nations. And so they weren't more righteous. And God has always opened the door for everyone to uh, come to know him. And so Israel was confused. They thought it was about them. Um, But actually, it's always been about God accepting anyone who will love and worship him and turn from idols and turn from other religions. And finally, we also see the gospel now going out to many generations. In Ephesians 3, we read this Paul writing, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And so, Paul. Uh, gives this prayer uh, about how God can do more than we can ask or imagine. And his prayer is that the gospel would continue to grow out throughout all generations. And it has been doing that. It's been doing that for the last over 2,000 years. The gospel has been going out, not just to all languages and all, all nations, but to all generations as well. And now we are a new generation continuing that work. But it is in some ways sad because when we do think about how the gospel has been going out for over 2000 years, um, we also realize that the gospel still hasn't reached all nations and all people. And not just because people uh, reject God, which of course happens everywhere. People don't always listen to the gospel and obey it. But there's actually still places that just have had never had the gospel to even be able to reject it. Uh, there's people and languages and places where the gospel has never been and has never reached. And uh, as we see here in this chart, uh, when you look at uh, different people groups, which is cult- cultures and languages, and and you measure them, still over 40% uh, of the world's people groups are considered unreached in that they they don't have uh Either they've either got none or very, very few uh, Christians and it's just very unrealistic for many of them to ever hear the gospel unless someone goes to them. And if you'd uh, got a news from uh, North African uh, missionaries recently, you would have heard that uh, they, they discovered recently that there's, you know there's refugees in Malta who have just there's no one trying to reach them. Uh, There's uh, people in dire need in that country, and there's no Christians who are actually doing the work to go and make friends with them and share the gospel and help them. So, there's so many opportunities still out there, and that's why uh, at SWEC and and all Christians should be concerned about continuing this work, Uh, not being disheartened, but being encouraged to continue the work of the thousands of generations. Uh, thousands of years of generations that have gone before us, continuing this work to see everyone uh, know Jesus, have the opportunity to come to know him, the gospel, and to love him and obey him. And so, as you can see from what Marshall was talking about and through the New Testament as well, it has always been God's plan to reach all nations from the very start. It's always been his heart. And we've, that plan was sometimes confused uh, amongst the history of Israel, but uh, through Jesus, we see crystal clear his desire for everyone to come to know him. Uh, let me pray for us to finish. Dear Jesus, we thank you uh, that we have the benefit of uh, seeing everything that has played out already uh, through the history of the church and the kingdom of Israel and We can see clearly how you've always had a heart for everyone to know you and love you and turn from idols, turn from other religions to follow you. We pray that we would be part of that uh, in whatever that looks like, whether it's going ourselves or supporting or praying or uh, there's so many different ways we can be involved in your continued work in this world and amongst our own family and friends and society as well. We pray that you would give us a heart just as you have for people that we may not know, uh, people that we've never met, but we pray that we would have a heart for them like you have a heart for them and that they would all come to know you as well. Amen.